Hello, all you podcast listeners. You are much appreciated. My name is Lucas Holmgren, host of the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast. And one comment we got on the Apple podcast is that, hey, I love the podcast, but I want to hear more about trout. And I totally get it because we are Salmon Trout Steelheader and uh, trout is a part of the name. And I would really like to put out more trout information so this article is called jigs the most versatile trout lures by bill herzog longtime writer and a good friend of mine and i did a little uh podcast back in the day and it was like is bill herzog overrated and basically the whole idea there is no after fishing with a guy he's incredibly detail oriented he's always sharpening his hooks he's always a pain attention to uh, light and cloud cover and watercolor and the guy just reacts and continues to put the right foot forward when it comes to catching fish whether it's coho steelhead or trout so i'm going to read this article jigs the most versatile trout lures by bill herzog and here's kind of the opening paragraph For the past four years, I've been living in the epicenter of some of the best trout fishing in Middle Earth, as I like to call it, here in central Washington. Name the species. We have it. Browns, Brookies, Mackinac, Tigers, Lahontan, and West Slope Cuts. Rainbows, both wild and hatchery, from 14 inches to 14 pounds. A hundred quality lakes, perhaps far more. If you can't find excellent trout fishing here... You were just not looking that hard. It's mid-March, early in the season for trout fishing. Ice-off was only a week ago tops. Longtime STS writer and professional bacon enthusiast Dave Vetter and I are on a modest-sized lake near Chelan on the serious hunt for modest to large brown trout. The browns in this lake can be caught on nearly any lure or bait from April through September. Now, however, they are living in very cold water and have become difficult to catch. We are not alone. A father and three sons are close by throwing nickel cast masters, aftermarket trout spinners, and plunking marshmallows and worms. They have hooked one trout in the two hours Dave and I were there. We hooked dozens, twitching small jigs on ultralight gear. The staging trout wanted nothing else in the tackle box but a twitch jig. Even though we weren't exactly quiet, having double after double hookups, those folks just looked at us like we were stomping on ducklings. Not a single question about what we were doing, it was just another episode of Bill and Dave twitch jigs while others go nearly fishless. After this scene was repeated lake after lake all around eastern Washington for several seasons, it occurred to us that maybe just maybe that twitching small natural jigs are the most effective all-around trout lure. Quick shout out to Washington Coon Shrimp, a wonderful sponsor of uh, Salmon Trout Steelheader and a coon shrimp that I have caught more steelhead than I deserve on. They're phenomenal. For the past four years, I've been living in the epicenter of some of the best trout fishing in Middle Earth, as I like to call it here in central Washington, named the species we have it. Browns, Brookies, Mackinac Tigers, Lahontan, and Westlip Cuts, 
Rainbows both wild and hatchery. Well, I made it to point to look and look with a single determined focus. Did my research. I did all about my local and not so local trout lakes. Now, of course, I trout fish quite a bit here and there in my five decades, but never really got too deep into it due to this one creature that took up virtually all my time and money. The steelhead. I did what anyone should do when learning new fisheries, read all I can, applying that knowledge on the water, and most importantly, actually going to those places multiple times. Fishing under variable conditions and keeping detailed notes. What I found was steelhead are far easier to find and catch than their landlocked brethren. I know what you may be thinking. Just put on some orange power bait, test it out there, open a beer and a lounge chair and reel them in. Well, there may be a ring of truth to that when trout fishing, but there are many times when even the ugly early baits won't get bit. Days when the finest tide imitations perfectly presented with the most skillful fly casts are ignored. Lose of every make, color, style, speed, nope. Anything short of live bait, which is ultra-legal in 99% of lakes, gets zero results. Chalk it up to barometric pressure, temperature changes, approaching spawning. The excuse list is long. They want something that appeals to all their reactive senses. Predatory movement, something that closely mimics their natural food and just triggers plain aggression. The one lure from personal trial and error, and from all the research I could glean from other anglers, writers, and of course YouTube, is the jig. What is a jig trying to mimic? Could be injured or frightened baitfish, sculpin darting, startled crayfish, big underwater, creepy, crawly rather. We don't know. Perhaps like every trout that encounters natural feed initially, this is the first time it has seen anything like it. But feeding instincts take over. There's just something about an erratic falling lure. Salmon fishermen know this well, but trout follow suit. Jigs will take trout under all phases of feeding in lakes. During the deep freeze and lethargy of winter through the ice from ice out, when they will gobble a poorly presented tennis shoe to prime days of active packing on weight to near feeding shutdown of pre-spawn. Tough to make the claim that about any other lure, even when worms, single eggs, or doe baits won't get a second look, jigs can take fish. About trout jigs. What information is out there for tossing jigs for trout is all over the map, from microscopic 164th ounce up to one ounce depth charges. Not only lakes, but rivers also, all over the planet where trout live in flowing water. You'll find the jig. The information you will read here is all about twitching the jig and lake situations. These are from six seasons of finding and suggestions for jig weight, colors, dressing, hook styles, and sizes. First about the jigs, then we'll get into some how-to. First is castability. The jig has to have the right amount of weight. It has to have enough weight to reach target water, parentheses distance, get down to the fish without a half hour weight or so much weight that it sinks too fast. We need the Goldilocks weight just right. 
Our jig must sink at an enticing rate fast enough to impart action to the jig materials. To appear to trout, it has achieved escape velocity and has to stay down in the strike zone. Keeping it simple for weight, color, and style is gospel when twitching for trout. After doing research, reading all I could, and taking journal notes for six years, two weights have worked best. Eight species of trout in 100 plus lakes, March through November. One eighths and one quarter ounce will be your working tools in 90% of all conditions and situations. These weights are easily cast, sink at ideal rates, and seem to fit into the attraction threshold. Small enough to attract, but not too large to possibly repel. If you cannot find the right weight and hook size in commercially available blank jigs, here's how to make them. A number one 90 degree Gamagatsu jig hook. One eighth and one quarter ounce split shot. Super glue and a big old player, uh, rather, a big old pair of pliers. Place one drop of super glue in the jaws of a split shot. Place the very end, one eighth of an inch, of the 90 degree bend in the split shot, then with pliers pinch solid on the bend. Allow glue to dry, then paint. Using just two weights allows you to become familiar with how far they can be cast, how fast each sinks, what retrieve speed for maximum imparted action, and how close each stays to ideal depths. A great rule to follow is to try the 1 8 ounce for shallow presentations up to 15 feet and shorter casts and one quarter ounce for deeper twitching or longer casts. It's similar to a river anglers using two-fifth ounce spoons, one-half ounce number five spinners, or a fly swinger with 10 feet of T10 in all situations. They know how closely each casts, how quick each sinks, and how to adjust for depth. More on that later. Are there times for smaller jigs, like 132nd and such? Yes, but those are best presented with a fly rod. Jigs that light are difficult to cast with spinning gear. Whenever trout get size picky and they are fairly shallow, like 3 to 12 feet, where you may target them with a full floating line 10 foot tapered leader and micro jig, do it. But that's a topic for another article. Hook sizes, styles, you need a hook that is not too large for smaller trout, yet large enough for the ones you want. Hooks should be thin for easy hook sets, yet stout enough for the inevitable fish of the season. Through trial and error, an ideal size and style is the number one Gamakatsu 90 degree round bend. They're labeled heavy wire, but trust me, they are not thick and feature a thin, strong profile on our shower out of the package. Hard to find a better choice for trout jigs. Colors and materials for trout twitching jigs. Since the idea behind jig twitching is natural movement suggesting life, we need to build our jigs with materials that closely mimic life. Undulations, gills, fins, tails, it all needs to move in a lifelike manner. This means we tire trout jigs with materials that breathe. Marabou, rabbit, and webby hackles. Start with the tail of the jig. Consensus on tail material is going to be more than a 90% vote for marabou. Marabou is the finest material. It resembles undulating swimming motions. 
The trick is not to use too little nor too much. An inch to one and a half of marabou tail is perfect. Use only the tips of the feather. Take out the quill. Tied to the initial curve and the hook will create a nice profile. Second choice is rabbit strip. Rabbit is more durable and undulates nearly as well. Use no more than a one inch long piece for that tail tied on top of the bend on the very tip of the skin strip. For the body, tie in the tip of that hackle feather in a working length of fine chenille from the spot the marabou tail is attached to the head. Wrap the chenille first to the base of the head, tie off, then wrap palmer the hackle three to four wraps leave space between wraps up to the jig head and tie off your finished jig will be two to three inches most will be right at two and a half inches long from tip of tail to head for colors all throughout the seasons and in so many lakes all over the northwest journal notes show definite colors and color combinations that truly stand out these colors however do not vary much Start with the jig head. For 95% of all trout jigs I use and have seen, paint them black. Black works in every condition and always seems to create aggression in all species of trout. All glow for a few others for extreme depth, very early or late in the day under fading light. Black just flat out works better than everything else. When choosing colors, always try to use at least one other color. Contrasting to multiple colors have consistently gotten bit far more than monocolors for trout, and do not fall into the trap of the beginner tire by using too much material. Less is more. Thin profiles work far better than fat jigs. Thinner profiles breathe better, imparting far more action, cast and sink better, plus they look natural. There are several color combinations that are my go-to jigs on a new lake, just the colors I have a load of confidence in and have done very well using them. My favorite color combo for drought jigs is this. Equal strands of olive, dark and or light. Black and dull yellow marabou for tail. Sparkle fine olive chenille for body. Grizzly, bard, large chartreuse, black hackle, wrapped on buddy, and the black head. Most of my trout jig twitching is something very close to this recipe, like I do when tying steelhead flies. I try to make them similar, but each one always turns out slightly different. Olive and black for tails, body and hackle will work well also, and is quicker to tie. There is a color preference table, so to speak, for each species of trout. Not always, but there have been so many times when one species of trout will really react to certain colors. Coastal and West Slope cutthroat, wild and planted rainbow, and especially large eastern brook love my favorite color blends. But the rare large Lahontan cutthroat prefer bright colors over naturals. The fire tiger colors, orange, kelly green, black, and bright yellow, and pure white and blackhead are consistent Lahontan killers. Pure white blackheads seem to be the choice of triploid rainbows, the ones that live in Rufus Woods in particular. Yellow and brown tail bodies blackheads are the only choice for brown trout, especially in the fall when they're approaching spawning time. If you stick with these colors for these species wherever and whenever you find them, bets are your success rate will be more than decent. Always keep a few novel alternative colors in your jig box. If you work an area thoroughly and you feel or see there are more fish to be had, change. They may have staled towards your colors, been stung, or just no interest. 
If you are likely using color blends, try solid color, either all black, including the head, all white, white head, or all purple with a black head. What about materials like rubber legs, crystal flash, flashaboo? Sure, but remember, less is more. Just two or three strands are plenty as far as flash goes. I use crystal Chanel for jig bodies, the only flash I use, not using any flash in the tail. For those that don't tie, are there jigs commercially available? You bet. Just do a bit of browsing online or down at the larger or outdoor shops. You will find enough assortment styles and colors to drain a wallet. Just keep natural contrasting colors in mind when shopping. Okay, guys, there's actually more to this article on the Salmon Trout Steelheader website. This is an amazing article. Just go on SalmonTroutSteelheader.com and just go into the search bar and do Jigs Versatile, and you'll find it. It's a Bill Herzog article. There's already comments on it, and there's more wonderful information. But that's kind of what I'm saying. Go to that SalmonTroutSteelheader.com. Um, I'm thankful that I was able to work with STS, Great Lakes Angler, Amato Books, and build uh, up their websites. There's so much incredible knowledge on there. And uh, I would highly encourage you to go to that website, salmontroutsteelheader.com. Bill is a wonderful guy. I actually did a uh, podcast on the Yakima, or sorry, not a podcast, a uh, YouTube video as well as a TV show with Angler West on the Yakima River with Bill Herzog. And you can see Bill and I fishing jigs as well as rooster tails and catching some beautiful trout. So check that out on the uh, Angler West uh, YouTube if you can. And there's a bunch of phenomenal trout information on the STS website. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you can tell your friends about it, you'd be surprised how much of a difference that makes. And by the way, Gene, I don't know if you're listening, if you've made it this far in this podcast, but it was wonderful to run into you on the river I'm out there fishing, just talking back and forth with a guy who is doing phenomenal. He was catching a bunch of coho on the home river. He was dialed in. And I started talking to him, and he said, Hey, are you Lucas Holmgren? And I'm like, Yeah. And he says he recognized my voice from the podcast. And it was just so cool to meet him because this guy was dialed. He was... uh throwing some cerise wiggleworts on a river I shall not name. But this this guy was cleaning up. And so it was so cool to run into Gene. And uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll have more coming out soon. If you can subscribe to Salmon Trout Steelheader, that's the best way to support this podcast. Also go check out my book, Power Bait Tactics for Trout, on amatobooks.com. Thank you. We'll see you soon.